And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100% And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. Holy hell, it is time for the Weighing In Podcast, and we've got so much to talk about. The UFC has just completed UFC 269 with some major upsets, I would say. Yeah, kind of. 269, if you think about it, go back to 69, the biggest upset in UFC history. George St. Pierre and Matt Sarah. There's something about that 69 number, Josh, and I know you like it. Who doesn't like 69? <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> Come on. Uh, overall, though, pretty good card. You know, it was fun. Uh, a lot of upsets. A lot of things that were closer than we thought they would be. But uh, overall, great card. I thought it was a great card. Guy, they, everyone came out, fought their asses off, man. That's exactly what you wanted. Good stuff. What, what was your uh, overall take of the, of, the, of the card? I thought it was, overall, it was a really good card. I thought some of the preliminary fights were actually really, uh, really good, hotly contested. Some uh, good stylistic matchups, some dominations in, in some of the fights, but the main card, main card produced. Yeah. When you look at the main card and you're looking at, you know, all the fights, if you're looking at them, they were exciting. They had, you know, some dynamic and dramatic endings and stuff. If you're a promoter, that's what you're looking for, man. That's what sells for your next show. So all the guys that went out there, all the girls that went out there, great job. Good stuff. Which would uh, what fight do you want to start off with? Well, let's just go from the very beginning. <clears throat> Come on, Charles Oliveira against Dustin Poirier. Man, I'll tell you what. That first round, oh, they were fucking banging. They were going. You know, I, it's funny because I think it was podcast day said something about oh you're listening to uh or you can't believe something rogan says and i go i'm not listening stupid i'm just watching <laughs> Sorry. but it was unbelievable as far as the output both guys and, and you got it charles Oliveira has changed his mindset changed his style to a point because he was never a guy that marched guys down he you know he what he would move he would you know give a lot of lateral now he's just marching guys. Dude, he's marching guys like Dustin Poirier down. And Dustin was lighting him up at times with that left hand straight down the pipe. I mean, he hurt him with big shots. That fucking, the right hook blasted and put him on his butt. And he just kept getting back into it and coming back. And you, you think, oh, he's in trouble. No, he's not. Man, he just shows he's got fucking heart for days now. He's in that mindset and this is you know we talk about it all the time confidence confidence is key and when you've got the confidence that charles Oliveira has now as the champion he's got that you know what you can hit me it's okay hitting me is not the end of the world it's me allowing you to break me and that will never happen i'm never allowing that to happen and he is at that point now man he is just on fire because come on josh man he Fucking put it on yeah, Dustin. Did. After the first round, I thought Dustin won the first round. No doubt about it. He got the first round. But the second round came out. That was a beautiful job of taking down. And it was the effort that he put into the ground and pound. All right. There was a lot of effort because Dustin's holding on tight. And he is creating space and landing good elbows. All of that takes effort. And I know, I know Dustin's corner was saying, you know, we want him to work harder. Yeah. He was working. He was working hard. 
and he was doing damage and he was doing good. Everything from that point of the ending of that first round, it was all Charles Oliveira. And he just he set the tone. He came out saying, I will not be denied, and he was Yeah, you run into, like for me, he has a little bit of the equalizer, Charles does, because when he got dropped, Dustin was like, ah, I don't really want to jump into your guard. I really don't want to go into your, I don't want to go down to the, to the ground with you. And that's that's an equalizer. Anytime he had, those, he was given a split second here and there to recover because Dustin was second guessing whether he wanted to jump into his guard. He's like, ah, I don't know. You know, he wanted to stay, especially when they were still dry in that first round. And so... Anytime you're putting the work on him, you want to be able to keep the momentum going. But he was afraid to in the beginning of going, hey, I'm going to jump into your guard or I'm going to I'm going to sit into, into these positions where you have the advantage. And so that gave him time to recover. And so overall, it was um, <clears throat> for me that kind of separated between the two fighters. Dustin, Dustin was someone that didn't matter what he did on the feet. If he didn't starch him on the feet, he had to jump right in to get in there. In that first round, yeah, one that, way to win. It changed, one way to it changes win changes the game, and then putting him on his back, putting him it on does. his back foot, making him fight on his back foot. It just it that made him uncomfortable. That makes a lot of fighters uncomfortable. But like with Khabib, when he fought Justin Gaethje, or when Khabib fights other people, he just he just marches them down. He makes it doesn't matter how good of a stand up guy you are. He makes you fight on your back foot, and it makes you more tired. Tell me. Tell me that Charles didn't learn something from what, the way Khabib yeah. fought. He learned something from him. He said, man, this 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 makes guys fall. This make, this breaks guys. This is something that they have a hard time dealing with. This is what I'm going to do. Because that's what I see out of him now. He, he's coming out and he's, boom, right out to the center of the cage and just stalking. He's going after his opponent. You look and you go, man, he was never like that before. Not at 145, he didn't do that. He fought completely differently. He's just a new beast right now, man. He looks good. Is this good. the Connor effect, though, for Dustin? Like, two wins over him, a lot of money made. Like, it's like that was more of your peak than winning the title. And that was my concern when we had this conversation a while back of go win the title, then fight Connor. And I understand, like, look, when fighters have the opportunity to make the money, that kind of money, you do it. Okay. But it, it, I feel like the peak now of his career will be, his career will be that he beat Connor. Like because he didn't have that the legit he didn't have the title and he could have fought for the title already before I don't know if he would have won it you know we're we're up in the that's the, I think that's why he went with the money fight but like I was saying is this, is this the Connor effect he he felt so like on top of the world I beat Connor and then I beat him again I made all this money like is is this is this kind of the, where he's going to be known for now. Well, it is what he's going to be, you know, as far as he he, he beat Max and, and won the interim title. But it's the two Connor fights. You know, the, the first fight was won by Connor, and it was the two that he ended up winning that has really made it to where people don't talk about beating Eddie Alvarez. They don't talk about him beating Justin Gaethje. They don't talk about him beating Max Holloway. Who do they talk about him Connor. beating? Connor McGregor twice, you know, and so... That is that precedence, and that is what you know he's you know looked at for. The problem is, is you know, and this is we talk all the time about these levels in the game, and and Dustin is at the top level. I'm not saying he's not, but when you're concentrating on one type of person and one specific type of style, and then you come back, you know, because look, when you fight Connor, you're not worried about the submission game. 
you're worried about certain aspects of the stand-up game and things that he does. And so that's what you work on. And so for how long was Dustin Poirier not really concerned or working that ground game? And then he gets into that now title fight against a guy who has got a superior ground game. And not that Dustin is bad on the ground, but he's not of the level of Charles Oliveira. So now, now we have that, eh, we got danger zones. We got danger zones as far as, man, we cannot be here. And you saw that by when Charles, you know, was able to take him down. When you see a guy put a figure four body, you know, triangle on a guy who is in his guard, you know, holding him there, a guy that wants to be there, what is he telling you? Well, one of two things. I'm really tired, and I'm, I'm not sure that Dustin wasn't a little bit tired at the time, but not bad. Or I cannot allow you to pass and get a position yeah. on me because I'm worried about the submission. And that's really what I think there was with that. It's like, I'm not going to, I'll take this. I'll take the elbows. I'll take the shots. I don't think you can put me out here. And this is better. It's better for me to get elbowed in the, in the dome than it is for me to get in a position where you yeah, can Yeah, that was one thing. I can't remember so, who it was. One of the commentators said that he said exactly what you said was that Dustin felt better holding him in guard than trying to open and get back to his feet because if he got past, it was going to be a, a different a different animal to deal with. Well, th- think about what he said prior because he talked about the Khabib fight and he talked about, you know what, it's better to just lose the round and to, to hold position instead of trying to get yourself out and up and into a better position against someone like that because then it's the end of the fight. So he kind of, you know, put his mindset of as far as what the way he was looking at this type of scenario, what he was going to do. He wasn't going to take a chance. He wasn't going to turn. He wasn't going to do those things could put him in danger until it became the third round and turned. You know, as soon as soon as that back was open, you saw Oliveira going to it, jumped on top, you know, and the squeeze, you know, and this is where people just don't get it. Everybody has yeah. a different squeeze, and it doesn't matter amount, uh, as far as the size of the person or so much the physical strength. It's the way that the squeeze is applied. Everyone's squeeze is different. But you can see that Oliveira, he's got a squeeze, man. He gets that thing in, and you know, oh, he's done. He, he ain't getting yeah, out Yeah, I was – he just – he didn't seem like somebody when we watched him at 45 that would turn his career around. And turn it into what it is now. No. You know, there was moments where no. we, we had I talked agree. a while back, a long, long time ago, when we first started doing the show. Um, we just, I didn't see a, an end result for him of making him making this run. And because we think about it, we had talked about him and we talked about how dangerous he was in the grappling realm. But in the stand up, Guys pushed him around. Guys, you know, they, they bullied him. They pushed him back to the cage. They made it to where. He was off of his back foot, and he wasn't able to get the takedowns based upon it. There was a lot of elements. He's changed those yeah. things. It's I'm trying. I'm trying to figure out how to put. Like, how, how do I put this? He's he's not the best wrestler. He's not the best. Like, he's pretty damn good grappler. He's one of the elites. But <laughs> they, he is pretty good. Everybody. His striking is clean and crisp. Defensively, he seems like he's on point. Last no, last night, though, in that first round, he took some big shots. I mean, and I guess I'm going to run back to, like, I've I'm always been a, uh, someone who favored, like, hey, if you feel better cutting the weight, cut the weight. But 
he is definitely a hundred percent better at one fifty five, and not because he's the champ not now. I'm mean, like, if you just look at his progressions of how he doesn't, I haven't seen him go late into the rounds since he's been at fifty five, but he just seems like he his body holds up a lot better at this weight class. Like the damage he took last night, I don't think he would have been able to take that damage at forty five. I think you're right. You know, well stated as far as he's just a better fighter at 155. Now, it could be the weight, but it also could be the maturity, the experience, just the mindset of what he's learned over time. Because, you know, as you get older in the fight game, you know, there's things that are taken from you and there's things that you're, you're given. And one is fight knowledge and understanding the fight game and understanding how to you know, compartmentalize a lot of the different elements of, you know, the, the whole media aspect and the and, you know, the whole weigh-in aspect and everything that comes with it and then the fight aspect. You've got to be able to compartmentalize those things and understand how to deal with them. And as a young fighter, sometimes it's overwhelming and you get caught up in all of it and it, it, it burns energy, you know, <laughs> before you're even fighting. And so I, I think he's learned, and he's he's a mature individual now. He understands exactly where he's strong. I think he understands through his coaching and everything how he can beat these guys and make it to where, you know, you talk about his defense. His defense is really good. The one thing that we've seen is he's much better at defending. He's got his hands are up good. It was the straight shots down the middle that yeah. gave him problems. So now if you're that guy coming in, if you're Justin Gaethje, you throw a lot of looping shots. Now you throw the uppercut too, and you throw you know a straight hand down the pipe. But you got to really look at. I've got to throw a lot of straight shots. He's good at defending the looping ones, the ones that are coming around the corners, and he's not great at the ones that are coming straight down the middle. That's where Dustin had success. And so here comes that little bit of the blueprint that you know what you need to read. That's a way to attack him in the standup and to be able to score on him. If you start going with the wide looping shots, he's very good at defending against them. Yeah, he. you know what surprised me, though, is when I saw the two of them standing side by side, that he's big. Hell he's yes. Big. I'm like, how in the hell did you make 45? <laughs> we used to say that a big, yeah, about like, Dustin, how, too. Yeah, I, yeah Dustin's, Dustin's big. big. Like, he walks around probably 85, yeah. 90, I'd say. He's a big guy. <laughs> I, when he was fighting at 45, he went a long, long time ago. He trained out with Frankie. He was getting helping Frankie get ready for the second uh, Benson fight. I was out there during that time. And I was just baffled. that. And Dustin was a lot younger at the time. But it was I was baffled by the fact that he was walking around 180. I'm like, how in the hell do you make 145? And now I look at Charles standing next to him in the cage last night. I'm like, damn, you are tall. You're big. you know. But very unassuming oh, yeah. that when you look at him, you're going glasses and the way he kind of carries himself i love when he walked out with you the know, glasses come on man he's a librarian he just has that look he has that That's look awesome. like oh i could kick this kid's ass no 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 you can't you can't no 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 yeah he's gonna whoop this is the thing that i noticed this is my takeaway when i look at both of these guys 32 and 8 28 and 7 you guys the records don't mean shit when you're fighting the not, not an MMA. When you beat the best fighters in the world. You fought the best fighters in the world, and these guys both have done that. You look at their 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 uh, lineups on who they fought. It's insane. And so seven losses. Maybe yeah. it sounds like a lot, but not when you're fighting killers. Yeah. 
I mean, okay, just take a look at it. If you were going to, if you're in a position, you're Charles Oliveira, just take a look at what you've got in front of you right now. Because your next match is kind of set. That's going to be Justin Gaethje, a, a fucking natural born killer. Okay. A guy that's just, he's going to be in your face, but it's going to be interesting to see who backs who up. Because Oliveira is not going to back up, I don't believe. So they're going to be standing in the middle going after it. And then if you get past Justin Gaethje, you probably are going to have a guy, you know, either in Benil or I'm going to say Islam Makachev being there. That's your next one. And then you've got other guys coming up that you're looking at going, holy Christ, man, nothing gets easy. And you've got to maintain that same level of, what you're doing right now, what you did to beat Michael Chandler, the training you put in, all of the, you know, everything that was set in place and how you did it, how you did it for Dustin Poirier. You got to do the same thing for those guys and you got to figure out a way to get yourself up for each and every one of those guys because we've said it all the time. Man, when you're champ, you've got a target on your back, but it's hard for you to place that target on each individual and get up for them each and every time. Yeah, just being motivated the whole time. That's why when we talk about when we have, we talk about goat talk, it comes down to I look at the longevity of what you've done. How long did you do it? That's what I look at. Now, sure. do I think maybe that you're the best fighter right now in your time? Absolutely. But when I look, when people start throwing the the goat around, I start they yeah, use it I start much. talking about how long have you? How long were you able to? control and maintain your title you want to know why because you have to get motivated every single time you are the best fighter in your weight class what motivates you and to do that for a long duration it's it's very hard certain fighters just have a hard time getting motivated you know when we talked with eddie eddie's like okay look i got to the title now what's next like he's someone that's very well driven he's driven based off of the fact that he needs that person in front of him that motivates him And I ran into a couple of those things myself, you know, like I wanted to fight, you know, Cowboy Cerrone because he motivated me. It would have been a good fight, but I felt like it was one of those guys that you just knew would bring the best out in you. You Those are the guys, those fighters want to fight those type of fighters. And so, but overall, both these guys, phenomenal fight. We're going to see him probably run it again, but Charles and, and Justin Gaethje, if you're looking at that fight, how does Justin Gaethje win that fight outside of just a knockout? How else does he win? He's he has the he same doesn't. he he to me. He has the same way of winning the same way that Dustin was going to win. If now yes. here's the thing, Charles, he can't afford to take those kind of shots with Justin Gage. He couldn't afford to take him last night either. But Dustin Poirier hits just as hard as Justin Gagey. I agree. He does, no doubt about it. And he was able to withstand those. Now, that doesn't mean that you can withstand every one of them. But Justin's a killer. But, again, it's exactly what you're saying. He is limited in one type of attack in this fight where Oliveira has multiple ways of winning the fight. And when you've got multiple ways, normally that's the guy that you're going to look towards and say, eh, you know what? This guy's got multiple ways to win. This is not going to be an easy win for the other side. I, and Obviously, it's not going to be easy, but I don't know. I just you, you take a look at what Justin does. He can definitely win the fight, but Oliveira could definitely beat him. True, true. So where does Justin go? That fight hits the ground. What's going to happen? Oh, it's going to be. I think it's going to be over. 
quick. I think it's going to be over quick. Yeah, because when you look at Dustin's a better grappler than Justin is. So if that, yeah, if, oh, I, if, that, if this fight hits the ground, Charles is gonna is gonna work him over. And I I, I just want to know if he's gonna be able to get him down. That's the other thing. So yeah, that is the question. Where does Dustin go from here? But he doesn't, you know. He, but see, he doesn't shoot. You know, he doesn't shoot no. double legs, and he doesn't shoot single legs. He yeah. shoots body locks. He looks for trips. He looks for backside throws. He does a lot of things that, you know, they work towards his body type, towards his frame and everything. All smart. It's like, why are you going to try to get yourself down low and try to take this guy down when he's going to be able to put weight on you? He doesn't allow people to put weight on him. He does it in his own style. We've seen a lot of guys that, you know, have that same type of takedown work where they don't look for legs. They look for Greco-Roman in body lock type situations and then they use you know sweeps or reaps or all the different things to take the legs out and all of a sudden they're on the ground so he's got the ability to take justin down if someone thinks that he can't they're absolutely wrong where does uh, dustin go from here that's the question you know first off how far is he going to drop you know in the ranks because he was number one well justin's going to go ahead of him all right you would think that benil and Islam might actually be ahead of him. So I would think that he's going to be in that position where Dustin's going to drop down somewhere around four. I think he'll be ahead of Michael Chandler, but he'll be down at number four. And so, you know, a fight between him and Chandler, possibly. You think he'll drop that uh, low? Yeah. Okay, let's let's think about it. Do you think he's going to be above Gaethje? No way. Gaethje's going to be your your next contender. They've already said it. So it's just, they're going to put him up, you know, in that position. Gaethje's number one, because then they're going to have number one against the champion again. Now, the real question is the Benil Dariush versus Islam Makachev fight. Are they going to take that and, and just automatically move them and put Dustin down below, or are they going to keep Dustin at number two? That's a possibility. They could keep Dustin at number two, but, when you're looking and they're saying that probably the winner of that fight will be the guy that's going to you know, fight either Charles or Justin, depending upon who wins that, it almost puts you in a position where you're better off moving Dustin down. And since you know, UFC's in control of their, their rankings, matchmakers are smart. They, they know yeah, what they're doing. I can see doing. Dustin going to number two. He'll stay ahead of Benil and Islam, and then the winner of Islam and Benil will end up probably sliding into that three spot. I think the loser will probably end up fighting Dustin. <clears throat> it would make sense because now you got to get one of those guys a win. Yeah, and that's usually how the UFC does it, right? The two yeah. two people that have lost that are in the top ten or top fifteen, whatever it is, they'll basically have them fight. So one of them walks out with a win. All right, guys, we want to thank one of our sponsors, MyBookie.ag. Use that promo code Wayne in. John and I have been giving you guys and dropping you guys a lot of knowledge on some of these fights. And if you guys would have listened to us last weekend or for last night's fights, you would have also noticed that we probably made you a lot of money. So if that's the case, and also we talk about Glover and we talked about Glover and how he was going to win the in-between round bettings, all of those things, our knowledge that we drop for you is basically so to help you make money at mybookie.ag. Use our promo code Wayne in. You get a little extra spending cash with that little QR code right there. Okay. And that will give you some money that you guys can put down on listening to our advice. John, we're pretty good at giving advice. I'd say we're, we're doing pretty well these days, aren't we? Priceless. 
priceless is our advice. Let's be honest. So take our knowledge and do what you want with it. There's also football betting odds. There's basketball. There's tennis. There's all sorts of betting odds for everything. We obviously talk to fights because that's our knowledge of expertise. But go to mybookie.ag. Use that promo code WAYNEIN. They'll give you some extra cash on us. Now, people were calling this the biggest, uh, one of the biggest upsets in history. <laughs> I wouldn't. I don't know if I would go that far. I mean, I think they're looking. Well, there, there's a lot of reasons why they're looking at mm-hmm. betting odds. You know, you're looking at someone that was what Amanda was like 1100, minus yeah. eleven hundred. You know, Juliana was like plus yeah. six hundred, something like that. So, you know. It, this is one of those ones you can look. It's funny because if you go back in time, the biggest upset in UFC history was Matt Sarah beating George St. Pierre. That was at UFC 69 in Houston, Texas. And now this is 269. So 200 shows later, they come up with what they're going to consider the next or the biggest upset in the Wait, UFC's 69 history. Plus 200, 200. You're pretty good. Got it, got it. God damn, you're okay, sharp as. Josh Thompson, you're sharp as a marble. <laughs> got it, got it. <laughs> um, but I don't, you know, I just, I love the fact, you know, all the people that are, you know, doubters and stuff. We talked about this, and I said, look, Juliana Pena is, in my opinion, she's got a real chance at beating Amanda here. She's got the style that is necessary to beat Amanda Nunez. She came out and did what she was supposed to do. The one thing I will say. Amanda loading up on shots, trying to throw big looping shots. Little bit of head movement, keeping your head off center line, throwing the jab out. Look at the jab's the simplest damn punch there is in fighting arts. You know, simplest, but some people are really good at it. Some people are not. Not that Juliana is great at it, but her simple jab won that fight. That was the difference maker. That's what started everything. Every time. Amanda loaded up and tried to throw something. Bip, she got hit by the jab. It threw her off. Her shot missed, and it was just a progression of downhill in that second round. Yeah. I don't I don't want to say that I'm surprised, you know, but there, there was a lot of factors that, and people. There's a lot of factors that play into this. Amanda Nunes sure. is now a mother, okay? There's a lot, and to me, I think that it, that's going to hold a lot of weight. And Juliana is a mom as well, but the time and progression of being a mother for years changes in the beginning. She's Amanda is is a fresh mom. She is someone now is like, she's falling into this. How do I train? How do I, how do I spread myself between family and, and training and fighting and this and that you, she has to work that out. And I know what she had. I think her last fight was her first fight being a mother. I think was her first fight. She looked good, but she also is just, I just feel like there's, she's adjusting, I think, to that. And everyone's going to be like, oh, you're making excuses for her. She's this, she, you know, other people are women. Other people are, are mothers as well. Other, <laughs> other people, are, people women. are women. Other people are mothers as well. <laughs> I say, but yeah, but there's adjustments yes. that go into it. Fighting is a very selfish sport and you have to be selfish. And then being a, a, a father or being a mother, it's difficult, you know? And so... I don't want to make. I don't want to sound like I'm making excuses for her, but I think the adjustment. I, I think there was some adjustments. She needs to make some adjustments, or she hasn't been able to make some adjustments based off of what I saw last night. I think she thought that she would just continue to walk in and just dispatch people, no problem. Couple punches, they would fear her. When you run into someone who just doesn't fear you, 
that's the result you're going to get right there. You've got to take every single person that's serious exactly right. every step of the way because at the top, that's that's why I, I've always said that it. I don't when I look at goat status, I look at it in terms of how long were you, how long were you winning fights, how long were you the champ, how many people did you beat, what kept you motivated. When, when I, that's why I don't discredit um, Jose Aldo. People people talk about him, and I'm like, he Man. was undefeated for what ten years or something like that, some astronomical, you know. And then him, and then yeah, Cyborg, same thing. Years. Thirteen years, didn't lose a fight. Those are like that to me, like locks down more of the goat status, because to do it to get motivated every single fight, that's what's hard. That's what that to me is what makes you the goat if you can do that. See, and I look at it. First off, Amanda's fantastic. But her last couple of fights, you know, she looked great, but she wasn't fighting those people that you looked at and said, those are people that can beat her. They have a style that can beat her. You know, Nothing against Megan Anderson, but she no. just doesn't have a style that's going to beat Amanda Nunez. And then Felicia Spencer, tough, tough individual. Love her as a fighter. You know, congratulations on your yeah. retirement and you're the best of luck to you and everything. But you looked and said, look, that's, that's not going to be a fight for Felicia Spencer to be able to win because she's going to have almost an, an impossible task in trying to get Amanda down. She's going to be eating a lot of shots. And then on the ground, you look and you go, it's not like she's she's that much better than her. You know, she, she doesn't have that grinding style. She's got more of a jiu-jitsu style. So... You can go back and say, you know, it's been a couple of years. Jermaine Duranamy, you can say, all right, she's tough and everything. But I would say the last fight that she had that where you looked and said, this this is a person that really has a chance of winning her because the reason I say that is Jermaine will stand in the middle of the cage and throw with you, but that leaves her open for the takedown. And once she hits the ground, she doesn't have any type of offense that it can put yeah. you in danger. She's not a submission specialist. She's going to hold on. She's going to maybe try to get up, but she's not going to be able to do anything offensively against you. So the last person she fought in that position where you could say very tough to take down, Holly Holmes, she looked great. She had the head kick win, you know, and uh, but that was a long time ago. And, you know, time is going on, like you're saying, and things have changed in her life. And it's not only that, yes, Juliana is a mother, and now Amanda's a mother. There's a big difference in their bank accounts, too. Let's yeah. just be honest. It's just, you know, and, and as things become easier and all these things happen and you get sponsorships from Modelo and all these different things and the bank account keeps on going up and up and up and life is becoming easier and easier and easier, it's like, why am I doing this? Yeah. I could be on the beach yep. with my child, with my wife, you know, and it is something that happens. And, and I look at what this fight, I look at the way Amanda looked. As far as she came out, she came out strong. But she quickly, you could see, she was trying to knock Amanda. She was trying to knock Juliana out. And she was throwing really hard, you know. And when she got to the point in the first round where she had her down and stuff, Juliana, you know, she, she went for the Kimura grip. And that was okay. But it was the leg placement and what she was doing. She was at least making... Amanda work you know she at least made Amanda at times have to strain she had the Kimura grip you saw Amanda trying to hold her arm in place and so just make her work past her comfort zone 
And you can see that that happened because I don't care. You look at body language. You look at Amanda coming out for the second round. Amanda knew, yeah. I'm getting tired. You could see it. And right away, as soon as she started trying to get rid of her fast and she started eating that jab, she was on that, like I said, that downhill track was coming. And, and she was, you know, a lot of people are going to say something about, you know, she tapped fast and all that stuff. When you don't have air and your heart rate's real high, you tap fast because you're exhausted and you know I, I, I can't beat this. So she's going to have to, you know, figure out what she wants, regroup. But, you know, this is why the commentating teams throughout, you know, MMA and especially in the UFC, look, the UFC uses GOAT status with everybody. And, and they've made it to where the fans actually, you know, they, they buy into it. They believe it because everybody, you know, as soon as the guy becomes champion, this is the greatest of all time. No. Not true. All right. They were saying Tyron Woodley was the greatest welterweight of all time. Are you fucking kidding me? There was a guy named George St. Pierre before him that was way better in every aspect that you look at. Okay. Sorry. Just the way it is. But they put out. Tyron was the greatest. Now it's Camaro is yeah. the greatest of all time. And when Camaro leaves, whoever takes his place, I guarantee they're going to be saying he's the greatest of all time. It's used too much. You know, it just there's no need for it. Amanda is a phenomenal MMA fighter. She's had an incredible career. If she leaves after this fight, she's still one of the best women fighters ever in the sport. She deserves that placement. She's fantastic. She does have five losses, okay? This one coming after a, I don't know, probably, what, 12, 13 yeah. wins in a row. So she was phenomenal. And she does have the win over Cyborg. People are going to look at that and say, well, she got the Yes, she does. And that's why fights are the way they are. You know, Conor McGregor had a win against Dustin Poirier. Knocked him out. Knocked him out in the first round. A la Amanda Nunez against Cyborg. It's just you had never seen it before with Cyborg, so that's what made it so grand. You know, what happened the second and third time that Dustin Poirier fought Connor? Well, it turned around, and it can turn around when any group of good fighters are put together. Just depends on the day and who comes prepared and who is who is on and who is off. Uh, her <clears throat> sorry, her demeanor in the cage lets me know that or gave me the impression that she's comfortable with where she's at in her life. I've seen it too many times. Like you said, yeah. the bank account, the yeah. I've, I've beaten cyborg. I've beaten all these other top female fighters. I'm considered one of the best, if not the best, what else do I have to prove? That's what makes what certain fighters like Jose Aldo and what, uh, and what cyborg and John Jones and fighters have done for so many years. They've been undefeated for so many years. That's what makes them so special. It's hard to keep getting up and getting motivated day in and day out for the next number one contender. Like, oh, I've seen this type of fight before. I've seen this kind of fighter before. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's that same thing. Yep. Well, and she's, okay, think about it. Amanda actually said that. You know, I fought people like yeah. you before. You know, I've seen you before. You, you, you bring nothing more than I've seen before. All those things. It's true. Like it, it's tough when you're the champ and that target is on your back. It's hard for you to get up for everybody. It just is rough. And, and it takes a special person to be able to continually do that. And sometimes they can't and they, 
they just make it through the fight anyways. You know, look at Anderson Silva. You know, do you think he was up for every fight? When he fought Chael Sonnen the first time, he wasn't up for that fight. He was able to pull it out at the end, luckily, but he wasn't up for that fight, and he took an ass-whipping in that fight. But this is what happens. I mean, like, so so where do you put her? Like, where do you put where do you put her now? <laughs> yeah, Amanda. There, yeah, because of her run and everything, if she wants a rematch, she's going to get the rematch. And in in that situation, I think she deserves it. You know, right away, if that's what she wants, she does deserve it. She's done the body of work to get that shot you know we see, we've had it all the time it's like you know uh, figurito getting yeah. the uh you know rematch with um brandon moreno it's like yeah no i don't think you deserve it that's, that's bullshit but you know it is the way it is and stuff and they're going to do what they're going to do because what they you know think is going to sell for them but in this situation it could happen and i see nothing mm-hmm. wrong with it uh i but don't think that it's going to change you know, it, it comes down to fighting yeah. styles and certain styles are more of a problem for a fighter than other styles. And that's what, you know, we talked about it last week. Juliana Pena yeah. has a style that, look, she's not great in the stand-up, but she does throw straight punches a lot of the time. Straight punches get there she's not, before she's not the looping the punches. They, <laughs> like not, you said no. not great. I'm like, she's not no. even good in the stand-up. Yeah. <laughs> no, she's not. You're right. But she's yeah. good enough that she's got, you know, a grittiness about her. She'll take the shots. And then when she finally gets into that clinch, she's very good at that point. You know, her her clinch game, her sweeps, the way she takes people down, and then her top control. She's as good as anyone out there, even though I really like that new girl that I saw, you know, that was in the preliminaries, Blanchfield. She was fantastic. But Juliana Pena is unbelievable when she gets that fight to the ground. And I would think, you know, she's got a very good chance of doing the same thing if they match up again. It's it's up to Amanda. We'll yeah, see what she I, wants. I look at it as well. Like, if you look at, back in the history of Amanda, she's, when she, she throws so much heat, so much power, she tends to slow down. And when you look back also, like yeah. when she fought Jermaine, she was she was comfortable standing with Jermaine, but as the fight went on, she started looking for the takedown. She wanted to try to control the pace because Jermaine was able to start landing shots. Jermaine was able to start walking her down, and so that you've I've we've seen in the past that she is somebody that will try to control and get on top and and on the ground. She wants to make sure that she can slow everything down because she throws with everything with so much power. And and Juliana yeah. Pena is the girl that. She's got the gas tank to keep going. She's got an active guard. She's very aggressive in the clinch and in that in that dirty boxing area as well as on the on the ground. Stylistically, like you said, we we talked about last week. She's a problem for her because she will put all that pace on her and make her fight an uncomfortable fight. So I, I look at it. I look at. I don't. You may get a different result because the knockout power is for real. You know, you may get a different result, but it's not guaranteed because Juliana Pena brings a, that style that will beat her. That's it. You know, again, styles make fights. I don't care what someone's yeah. record is. I care about what does this style do comparative to the way this person fights. And sometimes you look and you go, man, I just don't see, I just don't see a route for this person to win. 
you know, and that sometimes is the, just the way it is. Some you know, very rarely it, it'll, you know, switch around, but I looked at this one and it was clear to me that Juliana had a real, a real path to, to beating a man in this fight. And she took that path. She did it a little bit different than I wanted her to. Cause you know, we even texted before and I said, look, she needs to be, you know, getting a takedown or on the ground in each and every round. She does that. She's going to win this fight. Yeah, she didn't get the takedown in the first round. She was on the ground, though, so that's good. And then, you know, that when she finally, and I, at the, on the second round, I was like, take her down, you know, because you could see she was exhausted. And when you're exhausted and then you have weight and pressure that a pro fighter can bring, you know, to you and just the someone now searching for a submission, it is demoralizing, it is debilitating, and it makes people fold. And and I don't care who you are. So where does uh? So you're thinking a man that goes for the automatic rematch? I do, I really do. If she, and I don't think Juliana will have a problem with it. I you know, look, Juliana came out and proved something. I loved when she her best part is when she. I'm not no, surprised, motherfucker. That was good. That's like that was great. Way to pull one out, man. Pull that one from the past. That's a clip that they'll have for a long time. It was beautiful. Um, Amanda will get the rematch. Juliano, they'll fight probably again. Hold up the, you know, that weight class for a little bit. I mean, there's no, there's no big deal. But when you put her, do you, is this maybe the time now for Valentina to come up? Man, you know, if, if Valentina... You know, Valentina's already got a win against Juliana. And people don't remember that. So you just said. But, <laughs> oh, you didn't know? Okay, yeah. She's, you know, look, Juliana's got losses to, uh, well, yeah. Jermaine. Jermaine beat her and Valentina beat her. You know? Um, who else beat her? Shit. Cedar Morris and Deanna, Deanna Bennett. Deanna Bennett. Okay, there you go. And Sarah Morris. That, that, that was early on in the... Uh, fight career but you know Four years, yeah. when you take a look at the ufc you got valentina and jermaine yeah. are the two losses so you know it's a i look and do it in my opinion and people are going to sit to me whatever they want i still believe and i've said it before i think valentina shevchenko yeah. is the best female fighter there yep. is i think she's got more skill set she does it cleaner she does it better than anyone else she's got a gas tank she doesn't get tired she does all the things that you want to see from someone so you know could she move up and try to become the double champ possibility and that would definitely because i know she's talked about you know possibly going back up to uh to fight amanda again because she said she'd like to get that back she thought she won the uh, second one and you know dana said ah there's no reason for it well there would definitely be a reason for it so it all works out i mean if, if she was she able comes to beat up, Juliana, if they bring her up, say Amanda doesn't want the automatic rematch, you bring Valentina up and she wins the title. Now you have that that fight between Amanda and her, you know, for the belt. Yeah. And then now, except the roles yeah. are reversed. She's the champ, you know. And yeah. The, yeah. I don't know. I, it makes it makes for interesting conversation. Definitely. May, I, here, where's where the hell has Jermaine been? Well, you know, Jermaine is. Uh, Yes, pushing, that's my whole point. She's like getting 40, older. She's 38, you know? 39, somewhere in there. Yeah. Oh, no. She, I think 40? she is. She's either 39 or 40, I would bet. 37. Oh, 37. 37. Oh, shit. I'm so wrong. I'm so sorry, Jermaine. 
<laughs> just because she's been around for so yeah, long. Her last fighting. win was Juliana. Uh-huh. Yeah. Interesting. See? Yeah, but that was uh, October 2020, so over about a year ago. 14 months. 14 months yeah. yeah, 14, 2020. Carry the zero. Got it. <laughs> 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 oh we're gonna we're gonna use yes, that forever yes. um all right so let's get into the next fight all right i want to talk about one of my favorite sponsors the fume people they are the ones that are trying to get everyone out there to stop their smoking habit stop the dipping and all the things that are bad for you because fume is good for you it is a healthy way for you to naturally quit smoking or vaping or even dipping because that is a hand-to-mouth habit just like all of them. They've got an incredible system where you use this prominent. It's a fantastic-looking little piece of wood that is finely crafted. And since I do wood crafting, I can tell you this is well-made and done in a beautiful fashion. You can get all kinds of flavors. There's all kinds that are out there for you. There's the Conquer Packet, Bubbly Lime, all these different ones. I love the Peppermint. The peppermint opens you up, makes you feel really good. It is a natural oil. Essential oils is all that is used. It's going to be put in the middle of this prominent, and you can just use it when you want. You can use it on a plane, use it on a bus, use it on a train, use it anywhere. You can be in the middle of a restaurant, pull out that prominent little puff, and you're good to go. It makes you feel good. You'll feel it throughout your nasal patches, a little bit of menthol to it fantastic if you go to www.breathefume.com with a backslash and weighing in i think it's forward slash i'm sorry weighing in as your code use the weighing in code and you will get 10 percent off on your order today you can take a quiz they have a quiz for you that'll help you decide what is going to be best for you and what you're trying to do with the fume implement it is a great system that you can use for yourself or for somebody else to get off of the bad habit of smoking or vaping or even dipping. Get to the people of Fume. They will help you beat that. They have a great method, and it is very good in the way it makes you feel and the way other people will feel about being around you. Go to Fume. I, you know, Jeff Neal and Ponzinibbio, I thought Jeff Neal coming off of having some personal problems being, you know, the DWI, I love the way he reacted to it. I love what he said. I thought he had the right, you know, mindset. Because going into it, we talked about, it, so where's he going to be? And then I listened to it at the press conference. I said, you know what? He's ready. Yeah, I, he's got the. He's not making excuses. He's not saying any of this. He's saying, man, I screwed up, and I, you know, I'm an idiot, and I'm going to pay for it, and uh, I'm going to move on from exactly what you want to do. And he came out. I thought he fought very controlled. I thought he fought smart. I thought he landed the cleaner shots overall in the fight. I thought he definitely won the fight, even though there's, you know, it was a split decision, even though I don't think it should have been. Well, uh, but you look and you go, man, he looked good. That's the type of fight he needed. I like, I like what, you know, his coach was telling him. (laughs) He's yelling at him. I want to hear all the bad comments about, (laughs) about his coach saying, and what he was saying to him from all the people now because they got all over Aspen Ladd and, and her boyfriend because he was so mean to her. Well, I tell you, Sade was mean to, to Jeff, uh, man. He was yelling at him, saying, I want you to goddamn you. Know, he's telling him. I was like, yeah. boy, 
That's a horrible thing. He's he's motivating. He's getting him into it. He's telling man, I this is what I need from you. I, I thought it was a great performance by Jeff. I thought it was good coaching. I thought overall it was a clean fight. Wasn't super exciting, but very clean and uh and a, a good performance from a guy that you looked at and said could have come in there with a you know something else on his mind didn't fought very smart and he definitely beat Ponzinibbio. I feel like there's one judge that just travels around and fucks up cards every single time and it seems to be the I have same no idea what you're talking damn about one this shouldn't have been a split decision I thought Jeff Neal won the, the no. fight outright should have never been a split overall it wasn't a great fight it was you know it was they both fought hard but I want to know how this fight slid in ahead of Cody and ahead of Sean O'Malley that's what I want to know well, not even, to me, not only slid in front of that, slid in front of Dominic yeah. and Pedro Munoz. That's, you know, you can take a look at a couple of them, and it was like, man, the fact that no. that, even the, even the Dan Ige, Josh Emmett, I look at that as, you know, that, that could have been. But I definitely thought that the Dominic Cruz versus uh, Pedro Munoz would have been on that main card instead of it. But yeah, it is what it is. Okay. Um, so Kai Car France gets the win over Cody Garbrandt. Kaboom. This is what happens when you drop down and it's, oh, it's going to be so easy. No, it's not. And speed has always been something that Cody has been in control of. He's usually got the faster hands than all of his opponent. Didn't have the faster hands. Didn't have, you know, the ability to march his opponent down. He was getting pushed all around that cage. Kaikara France was just stalking him throughout and looking, being he was not overextending, he wasn't doing anything stupid, but he was putting pressure and making Cody uncomfortable. He was trying to make Cody move towards his right, well, towards Cody's left, but towards Kaikara France's right so he could land with power. But, you know, overall, what, what do you do yeah. if you're Cody? You know, you can sit there and say, oh, I just got clipped. You've just been clipped too many times. I don't understand why he went to to 25. I have no idea why. Like, just stay where you're at. You're doing just fine. You know, you you, you got through a couple fights. Like, click on, can you click on Cody for us there? Well, yeah, the Rob Font fight was yeah. his last one, I think, at 135. And, and that was, you know, he said he was tired, in you know, as the fight just started and everything. And it could be, but... I mean, take a look at that, man. You've got in his last six fights, he's one and five. And one, you know, the one win against Sekunciao, I mean, yeah, it was a great finish at the end of the round, but it's not like he was no. lighting, you know, Rafa up in that fight. So, I mean... Look, there's no shame in losing to Rob Font. Rob Font's ranked, what, number three or something? You were still no. in that mix of the top five guys at 135. Don't go down. You only start making those changes when you're in jeopardy of of being cut. Like, okay, you know what? Maybe I got to try something else. Don't. Stay where you're at. Like, I, I, didn't, I didn't get it. Um, it just now, now what do you do? Now you couldn't win at 25, and you were, having, you were struggling at 35. Now what? So... I don't, I don't know what you do from here. I don't either. You know, it's, this is a rough one because he, he's got, he, he tried to reinvent himself with the, you know, he changed coaches. He went to Mark Henry. He's been training out, you know, with 
guys like Frankie Edgar, and you know, so there's nothing wrong with where he went or what he's doing as far as his training. You know, that was that was to mix it up, and sometimes you need that. You know, you need that mix up. You need that change. That really hasn't uh, led to success, though. And you look at everything that's happening. You know, his fight against Dominic Cruz back in 2016. Mm-hmm. I want to say, you know, yeah. I did it. Okay, and that was other than you know the one win that he had you know against uh, Rafael. That's yeah. it. You know, he won the title, took it from Dominic on that fight. That was 2016. It's 2021, and he's had one win since then. That's going to be something that. Uh, oh jeez, come on, man. turn your phone off. Hey, sorry about that. I did, I did, but it came oh. through my computer. <laughs> uh, I don't know how to stop that completely. <laughs> um. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, yeah, like, I don't know. 2016 was probably the most masterful, masterful performance I've seen him fight. When he fought Dom, the way he fought, composed, oh. had so much fun incredible speed, all those things he utilized and was just out there having a good time since then he hasn't done that the tj fights the, yeah, the TJ fights really got to him he really was trying to yeah. to prove to the world that he could knock tj out and it backfired you know yep. and then since then i mean like I, I got a lot of love for cody but he's he hasn't made the best decisions in terms of what he's doing you know with his uh with his career so you got to be smart. I think I thought him going with Mark Henry and those guys, that was a good decision, but I haven't seen his performances get any better. So. Yeah. But you think about it, you know, like going into that, uh, Dominic Cruz, he was undefeated. He beats Dominic and then he gets knocked out by TJ once knocked out by TJ twice, knocked out by Pedro Munoz. Then he gets knocked. And then he wins. Uh, no, Excuse me. He wins the knockout. Then he beats Rob Font by decision, but he took some big shots in that fight. And now he gets knocked out again. He, lo- he lost four knockouts. That's what I said. Okay. He, he took he some big shots. Beat. He, yeah. Oh, I was thinking. No, I'm saying he got beat yeah. by Rob Font, but he he didn't get knocked out. But he took some big yeah. shots in it. He took a lot of abuse. And then in this one, he gets knocked out again. Out of six fights, there, that's four yeah. knockouts. Four. That's a lot. Yeah, not good. Definitely not good. Um, all right, who, who, what other fights were on this card? There were a lot of other fights on this card. <laughs> what are Sean, you talking about? Let's talk about Sean O'Malley, man. He looked good. The kid's good. No matter what, you know, people can talk all they want. He's got the, you know, the style that people either love or they hate. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. You know, if you if you want to see him get beat, he's all for it. If you want to see him win, he's all for it. And he's got the right mindset. The kid is smart. You may not like, you know, the way he colors his hair, okay? It's a little bit, you know, unicorn-like as far as, you know, you see those little dolls that, you know, my granddaughter likes. She's, she loves unicorns, and it's got those same colors on the mane and tail. So <laughs> he's got some He's, 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 he's unique, man. And, but the dude can fight, you know, he controls range beautifully. You know, he's long and he lit Paiva up in that fight. I know you thought it was a little bit early in the stop, which I did not. I thought that Jason let him 
take some big shots. He got hurt multiple times. He got dropped multiple times. And then the last one, he got sat on his ass and he's falling forward, you know, reaching for a leg. It's like totally understandable. It wasn't going to get better for him. That was a great win for Sean O'Malley. And it just sets him up. I'm wondering, you know, wasn't that the last fight on his career, on uh, on his uh, I'm contract? Not sure. I'm not sure. Or does he have one, he more, has left? one more left? But it's going to be, well, that's good because now he can renegotiate. And he can get that contract that he wants, and let's see him move up, and let's see you know how he does against some of the other guys. But I thought you know he's overall, you know, he continues to improve. He has the one loss against Cheeto, you know. But obviously, Cheeto Vera is not you know uh, someone that you can just you know look at and say, oh, he lost to a bad fighter. He lost to a good fighter, and Cheeto is really moving himself up too. So who does he, I mean? I think he's he, fun to watch. I will watch next? a Sean O'Malley fight anytime. Next? Ooh, I would have said Cody. I would have That's said Cody had Cody won, but Cody's also at twenty five. Yeah. yeah, especially well, you know, and you look and you go, if you're Sean, do you want to fight Cody? Yeah, you do, but you look and you go, it's not going to do anything for me other than I beat an ex champion, yeah. so it'll do that for him. But you look mm -hmm. at it and you go, not sure it's the right thing for him to do, especially coming off, especially with the record now that. Cody has, you know, in his last fights, it's just not, you know, what you're looking for. Cause you're always looking for that guy. That's going to, you know, send you somewhere higher. You know, does Cody Sean, do that for him? I don't, I don't think so. Not now. Sean says, uh, three fights left. And then obviously had the fight last night. So two now, um, he did also okay. say in the post fight last night that, um, somebody asked him like, you know, are you kind of looking to renegotiate blah, blah, blah. And he just said, I've learned my lesson that you don't talk about you don't talk about. Money there you go. We talked no. about that earlier. Yep. So he he didn't he basically like snubbed that question, didn't want to answer, didn't want to talk about money. So he obviously sounds like he has his own game. Yeah, plan. I mean, like, what do you think? You think you think him fighting Dominic Cruz? I would love to see that fight, but I don't think it's gonna. I don't think they're gonna do that. I think I think the I UFC think would the do UFC. it. I think the UFC would do it. I don't think Dom would do it. <laughs> okay. Uh, you think Dom would do, you know, the one that I think I've always wanted to see, him and Aldo? I mean, he if he could get the fight, I don't know if Aldo would do it. He'd be like, yeah, why? Why would I fight you? You're, you're ranked way below me. Like, he's his. Oh, I think Aldo just wants to get right to the title. That's it. He does. So going no doubt about it. But he's not. But Aldo's in a position where is he third and. Second or third now three, three. in the rankings? Yeah, he's, he's three. third. What is he? He's number three. Okay, so you got Dillashaw ahead of him. So he'd want to fight yeah. Dillashaw. That that would be his fight. Yeah, I would like to see uh, Aldo fight Aljamain Sterling after Peter Yan fights him and beats him. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> Look at you. Look at you. You're a prognosticator now. You're already, you're already determining who's going to win and who should fight yeah, who next. That's what that's what that's what our job is. Here. <laughs> uh, I think Sean O'Malley in that mix there. If you put him in there, I want to see him fight some of these guys. Maybe a Dominic Cruz. Uh, the guy he wants to stay away from is Marab. Stylistically, I think Marab's a bad matchup for for Sean O'Malley. Yep. You know, um, I. I wouldn't mind seeing him fight Rob Font. You know, but I think he needs one more fight in the middle there, maybe even two before he fights someone like a Rob Font. You know, uh, Sanhagen's a bad matchup for him. Uh, I think on the feet, Sanhagen will piece him up. 
but I, I think I like Sanhagen is not as uh, Sanhagen on the ground would have some fits with him, but I think overall they would be a good, it'd be a good fight. Say, O'Malley's yeah, good, O'Malley's on the good on the ground. I just don't know if he has that, that man strength yet. He still looks like he still has a little baby hands. You know what I mean? Like he just, he doesn't have the, the I don't think he's fully grown into his body. He's young. Well, I don't no. think he has, but you got to figure he's how tall is he? 5'10? Yeah, 5'11 for 135 yeah, pounds. Yeah, Sanhagen's 5'11, I My believe. My God. Is what Sanhagen is. And so then I would say he's probably about yeah. the same. 135, 5'11, 135. Jeez. 5'11, yep. Yep. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. I don't know. Look. There, there's so many ways you can go with him right now, and look, he's he's lighting yeah. it up with the fans that they, they have connected with him, in one in one way or the other. Like I said, they either love him or they hate him, and it's all good. Is he the new Nate Diaz? I saw he had a little Nate Diaz. Is he the new Nick Nate Diaz? Yeah, in a way, he is. He he's doing it in a yeah. different way, but I I love when he says the things. Look, I'm in the fight business. I'm not in the fight game. Yeah. Smart. Smart. That's the way to look at it. This is your business. Okay. Not that you don't want to be, you know, the champ, not that you don't want to win all those fights, but it's a business and it's how you conduct that business that in the end will determine the, the style of life you're going to be able to live. When you look at him, I don't see fighter at all, man, but man, he's good. When you look at him, I'm he just thinking to myself, like, I'm looking at his picture on sure dog right now. And he looks like a baby. <laughs> it's like I know it's an old picture. Sure, I never changed. Once, once they put the picture up, I think that's probably yeah. from an early fight. That's you know they, they never change those damn pictures, and so you know you'll be twenty years older, and they yeah, still got yeah. that baby. But picture. he's got so much more ink on him everywhere. Like you know, what I mean, like his his oh full God, chest yeah. is all tatted. In, in the picture that he has on Sure Dog, there's like one tattoo across his chest. <laughs> it's like those small. But look at how look at how he handled himself during the the entire week. Look at what he did in the press conference. Because he not only kind of got, you know, he was talking about his opponent and things like that, then he was also talking about Cody. And he tried to do the stare down. He, he was being very Connor-like, and he was taking over that press conference and making it about Sean O'Malley. Not about all these fighters and all these great champions that are up there and these people that are going to fight. He kind of took it over a little bit, and you got to give him credit, man. The kid's smart. How long do you think he sits in that damn chair to get his hair dyed like that? Shit. I don't know. Way too long. Long. Let's let's say if it takes him three hours, it's two hours and fifty nine minutes longer than I would sit. <laughs> I wonder if he picks it. I wonder That's if he picks truth. his hair out too, like he uses a pick and kind of because it's. Well, he was doing that. He was doing that well, on was the, he? on the stage. Hold on. He's he's yeah. got a. It's not only. He's got to sit there and have them color it, all the wacky colors that he does. Then he's got to sit there and have them cornrow it yeah. so he can fight. That's like, that's a oh, lot hell of time no. to, to cornrow the hair. No, that's that's called yeah. hair clipper. Um, Josh Emmett, Dan Ige. Tough fight. Tough fight. I, you know, No doubt in my mind, Emmett won the first round. He hurt Ige, put him down. I thought Ige definitely won the second round. I know one judge gave every round to Emmett, and I was like, you're nuts. But uh, Ige definitely got the second round. He hurt Emmett in that round. But sometimes when you're the judge, you can't see it. You see the back. You don't see that, you know, whole thing. But 
Uh, I can see Emmett winning. I thought Emmett came out and won the the very first part of the third round. I thought he was landing the heavier, harder shots. I thought Ige was kind of coming on at the end of the third round, but maybe not enough to take it over. It was a close fight. I, I was okay either way they went. I wouldn't have you know complained. They both gave it you know what they could. Both fought hard. It was yeah, a close Dan fight. Dan Ige is tough, man. He's just one of those. He's gritty. He he's is. tough. And Josh Emmett. Dude, tough, man. He took a shot and then just got back up and started fighting. You go, you fucking rock chin bastard. Uh, Unbelievable. No, yeah, he's, he's aggressive. He comes forward. He, he tries to fight. You know, he'll fight anyone. That's what's crazy about him. Doesn't matter. He, he's got, he yeah. reminds me a little bit of John Fitch. And I've said this before. He's a grinding type fighter. He's not good. He's not great anywhere, but he's good everywhere. And I've had a chance to yeah. like tussle with him a little bit at AK. He came over and he's he's pretty damn strong for how small he feels and, and grappling. He's strong. He's got good technique, good positioning, very very humble, just all around good person. And uh, you know, a tough yeah. fight. But Josh Emmett hadn't, hadn't fought in what over a year, Dave. Yeah, coming off of that yeah. knee injury, so. I mean, we're now now with Josh Emmett, though, where do you put him in that mix? Because he is getting older. He's thirty six years old. He's gonna have. He obviously wants to get up to that title shot. Where do you put? Where where would you put him in there? See, it's tough because you look and you say, you know, he Josh Emmett's a good fighter. He's tough, but he's fairly one dimensional. Yeah, boxing. Yeah, he he re, he relies on the big right hand. He's always looking to set it up. If you're smart and you take a look at the way his stance is, his leg is really out there for you to attack. I didn't think Ige yeah. attacked it near enough. But there's all kinds of guys that would. Um, you know, you could take a look and say a fight, you know, say Josh Emmett and you put him against uh, Dominic Cruz, both coming off of wins. That's not bad. But I'm sorry, what am I saying? Wrong weight class. Wrong, wrong weight class. <laughs> Screwing that no, up. No, I would what say maybe a Calvin Cater. Um, yeah. See, I think Calvin's going to piece yeah, him with, up with though. the kicks. I think the kicks will be a factor. Yep, kicks will be a factor, and just the accuracy. And he, you know, Calvin's going to be good at uh, negating that right hand, so it starts to limit what he can do. Uh, Korean zombie. I don't know. It, it's it's one of those is tough. Korean yeah, zombie would be a good one. one. That would be, be a really good. They both yeah. both have big power. Both come forward. Both like we'll get into a boxing slug match. That'd be a fun fight. Yeah. Uh, next fight. Dominic Cruz and Pedro Munoz. Dominic Cruz showed, you know what? Like him, hate him. I don't care what it is. The son bitch can fight, man. And he's tough because he, he got hurt in that first round. You know, he, uh, he got put down. He fought his way through it. Definitely lost that round, but came back, wins the second with a lot of volume. You know, he, he leaves himself. He does and you talk about guys that have tendencies and, you know, and Dominic, if you're listening, you need to watch tape on this, you know, because <laughs> his whole thing with DC on watch tape, man, he dips his head to the right 90% of the time, yeah. 90%. He's going to, he does this dip off to the right, dip off to the right. And it's like, man, people, you know, it's, they haven't caught you with it, but he is open. Cause when he comes in, he dips, he throws the loop and he comes back to the other side and he throws, you know, he's fun to watch and he's got a weird, you know, the, the style he's, you know, he jumps back with both feet together, does this bounce off. But again, another thing, he, he tries to create distance, 
by when he's going to do that, and he does. He's, he takes a step back, jumps back with both feet, and then kind of comes forward. But it's something for people to start to look at and read to say, I can take advantage of when I see you yeah. start to do that and step into him and, and start to like, because his, his positioning is he can't throw hard. He can try to throw, but there will be nothing on it. And so you're going to put him in a bad position, and, and it's become a habit that he does in this routine that he does. So, you know, like everything, when you're, when you're watching tape or you're watching film on guys, there are things that are there. We'll see. You know, I thought it was a tough fight. I, I didn't think Pedro actually fought him very smart. I thought he was always looking for the big shot. And uh, part of that is because of the way that Dominic fights and stuff. He's, he's tough to uh, tag down. But I would, I would really like to see, you know, Dominic against Aldo. I still think that's a fun I fight. look at... Either that or Edgar, and I don't think he's going to fight. He won't fight Frankie because Frankie's coming off of multiple. I losses. think that his style, Dom's style, it's it's fun to watch. I think this, though, is his style reminds me a little bit of the Roy Jones Jr. style. As you get older, yeah. you will it will you'll you slow, slow down a little bit. bit. You're easier it to changes. hit, and eventually you're going to end up getting caught. That movement and all that stuff works great when you're 26, 31, 34, whatever. Yeah, you're faster. You can recover. You can get there faster. You can recover faster in terms of how when you get out of position, it's going to be a problem for him as he gets a little bit older. What is he? Thirty six. I think right around this time, thirty six, thirty seven. You've got to start being very cautious and careful about what he does and what habits he's built up because his athleticism, he was able to get away with it for years. Now that he's getting older, he won't be able to pull those tricks off. And look what happened to Roy Roy Jones Jr. Same thing happened to him. So you got to you got to be cautious as you start getting older in that type of style. Dominic with a very nice call out for Mark Goddard of you know, great oh, referees. He let him go. It's like everyone was going to let you go on that. You were fighting back, dude. You know it's, it was a good call by Mark, but it's like he cracks me up. You, I'm going to attack this guy. I'm going to give this guy credit. This, Dominic is a special human being. <laughs> you know what you're getting. Do you though? Do you like? <laughs> Uh, do you really? I texted DC true. and said, "Who needs?" I go, "Who who needs enemies when you got friends like Dom?" <laughs> like, hello, like, <laughs> like, come on, man. The sh- just I'm like thinking to myself. Well, all right, let's let's talk about that. Yeah, let's right, talk about his. Yeah, let's ju- we'll we'll talk about let's that. Let's talk about. Okay. You know when Dominic said that he muted uh, Daniel Cormier in the, and says he doesn't do the work and stuff. Shame on you, Dom. You think that you're doing something classic. If you think that that needs to be said, there's one person for you to say that to. One person. That's Dan Cormier. You don't do that in a press conference. John, you John don't he did say do that, that he said that to DC, though. He did What's say that? that he, he did say that he told DC to his face as well as saying it to the media. As well. Really? As well? Hey. There's, there's this line that you cross between being a friend and a dick, okay? And when you go to the press and say that, why are you doing that? Because he's a cool man in the prelims? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's just, everybody's got their own style. And I will, look, I'm going to tell you, you know, there's a lot of people going to think, you know, if you know, referees and, and judges out there, oh, John McCarthy, he's a dick. You could say that because I would go and confront you and tell you exactly when you were wrong. But I wouldn't go to the press and say it. 
I would tell you. That's the difference. You don't sit there and and put somebody on blast where you know those people are going to now put it out on the internet. They're going to put it out in their stories and they're going to make something of it. He already did it. You know, the whole thing he did with Hans Molenkamp and the way he did that. If you know the true story of it, why did he do it? You know, and if you know the true story of a guy that was allowed to stay with monster for all this time, even when he wasn't fighting, why was that? You know, there was no reason for it. If you don't like something Hans is doing, go to Hans and talk to him. If you don't like something DC's doing or you think you could do it better, go and talk to DC about it. You shouldn't do it in the press. Yeah. I look at it this way as well with um, John Anik came out and he said something very, very eye-opening. As commentators, this week ended up being about those comments. And they took away from... It Not about, about the, the fighters. fighters. It took away the... The spot it took the spotlight away from Dustin Poirier and Charles Oliveira, and that that can't happen. If you guys are the commentators, that can't happen. And they made a whole separate show just about it, which I thought was I thought was a big mistake by the UFC, allowing that to happen. That should yeah. never have happened. And D, it, no, because it again just drew more attention to the whole thing. But it was trying. I think that was trying to show that you know DC was is DC and he's not hurt by it and he still loves Dom and Dom still loves him. Or It's just, you don't look you and I, we banner back and forth. You know, there's going to be some reporter that fucking puts this shit out in one of his stories. And it's going to be what John McCarthy said is this and you know, big headline when it's not about the context, you and I rib each other continuously, be it on our show here or yeah, when we are together. Yeah, it's worse when we're just together and we're not on the show, but it's fun. We do it out of fun. We don't do it to be mean or we do it to yeah. screw with you and just jab you and see what the reaction is and then laugh about it. But I would never, ever, and I don't think you would ever, ever go to the press and say, oh, I think yeah. this. You don't yeah, do look, that. We've worked, like you said, we won't mention any names. We've worked with a lot of people that don't do the research, <laughs> you know, and they can, oh my they can do it on the fly. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know what DC's preparation is like, you know, it doesn't matter thing. If he's, if he's coming off well on TV and his, in his, his voice resonates throughout the sport. He does a good job. Now, yep. is he the best person to talk me through a submission? No, but no. when it, but, but he can talk okay. my, he can talk my damn ear off when it comes to wrestling when it comes to the boxing, when oh, it comes yeah. to putting the two things together, he can do all that shit. And so that's that's what people listen to him for. He's got the energy that helps bring the excitement to the fight as well. You know, um, Dom has this tendency to to want to be the smartest guy in the room. And, you know, and whatever it is, like he did the same thing when uh, after one of his fights about the Kenny Florian thing. Stop plagiarizing. Like he did that in the cage. In the biggest one of the biggest spotlights to tear someone down. And that to me is kind of a prick move. Like whether, whether, whether Kenny did it or not, but just let's not, there's yeah. no reason for why? it. Why? But why? Why? Now, that was the question is why, you know, and like in this situation, I like, he should have just left it as I mute, I mute DC. Like I get it. I, when I watch UFC fights, I actually mute them as well, you know, cause I want to watch the fight. Not, not, I don't want to be yeah. skewed like that. You can tell when they are very high on somebody. And we sometimes we have yeah. t- the same tendencies. 
when we talk about Bellator fighters, sure. we're like, man, I'm really high on this guy. And we just come across as being biased. It's true because yep. we know how good that fighter is. Even when, when you're, you're trying, trying not, not to. to. Yep. So that's why when I watch the UFC, yeah. I will sometimes keep the, the volume off just so I can watch the fights. Just I felt like it was uncalled for. Yeah. And I thought the lead up to where they were to the, the week of the fight of them going through with these little like face to faces. That was DC just being DC. You know, um, that's how he shrugs all this shit off. He don't care. He's that guy, you know, but it put, that's good. it took away from the fighters, the main event fighters. It should have, this, this should have never have happened. And, and I thought Anik was very, uh, very clear about it. Anytime you're taking the spotlight yeah. away from the fighters, it's not a, it's not an ideal situation, you know, and I'm surprised the UFC yep. allowed it to go on. I'm surprised the UFC had this thing, had this put together. Strange to me. It was actually on DC's channel. It wasn't on. Don it wasn't. Yeah, on but DC's who? Who? Channel, but here, so. who was the camera crew? Like, it, 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 doesn't DC I don't know. Own? I don't know. Because DC, yeah, he does. He has channel, his own channel. So I did imagine. But I mean, like, that's my 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 point is though is that you knew that there had to have been something. The U the UFC had to have been kind of behind this or with it or on board with it. But you don't think that. They like a Dana White looks at us and says, "Great, bring more eyes to my show." I I think I think you do, but sure, DC and Dom are not fighting, and you have your main event, your co-main event, all these things that are these, these other fighters that are there. You know that that it's their week. This is the this is for them. That this is their week, their time to shine. This is probably one of the biggest pay per views of the year. It's their year end show every year. Their year end show is usually the biggest, one of the biggest pay per views, if not the biggest. You know, for them to do a show, and then that, this kind of stole away from that. It kind of it sucks. If I was the fighters, it kind of sucks. You know. Well, the, the the other thing, did you hear? Dan Hardy kind of got into it too. Did you, did no. you see his comment? What did he say? His comment was, "Well, since you don't like people that um, don't prepare, what do you think about people that have?" other people sitting in the truck to tell them when something is actually happening or how it's happening in the fight. I was like, Oh, now they're really going. <laughs> it's like, when's it going to yeah. stop, man? Look, I look at it this way. I think first off as a commentator, DC fills his gap. Obviously the UFC and Dana like him. And so he's going to be in that position. And however he studies, whatever he does, yeah. That's his business, and as long as they like him, that's all that matters. And if they don't like it, and he needs to do more, then fine. It's not really within, you know, somebody else's position other than his bosses to sit there and say, "I don't like the amount that yeah. you put in." You know, it's it is what it is. You know, you know how much you know effort you put into watching tape. I know how much tape I watch all the time. You know, it's. It is for some people, and I guess for other people it's not. And I, I just don't think that it was the right thing for anyone to go to the press and start saying yeah. something like that. You say that if you don't like it or you think it's something that needs to change so your you know, partner can do better, then yeah. you do it in private. All right. I mean, we get down into these uh, prelims. What other fights you want to talk about? I mean. Well, Tuivasa, huge knockout. That was a beautiful, you know job by him to uh he really the power you could see the power difference and and his his fight was impressive in the fact that he was getting yeah. touched but he did the same thing with hardy his power is now 
able to come through at times, even when he's hurt. He's getting better and better. You know, I, I hate the fact. I hate it. Bruce Buffer, street fighter. He's not a fucking street fighter, okay? That's bullshit. If he was a street fighter, he'd be fighting on the street. He's a fucking MMA fighter fighting in the UFC. You know, this whole thing of, he's a striker, he's a grappler, he's a street fighter. We used to say pit fighter. We did that to sell things early on. Stop with that. And if, Ty, if you're using it, you're not a street fighter. You're a mixed martial artist. That's why you're able to compete. That's why you're training. That's why you're doing great. Congratulations on a big win. But they shouldn't have Bruce saying street fighter anymore. I only want to see him win so I can watch him drink out of a fucking shoe. That's it. That's oh, that's all. disgusting. It is absolutely <laughs> bad. Dude, he's a, okay, hold on. He's walking down towards the tunnel and having someone pour a beer and he's trying to catch it in his mouth. He goes, and it's like, dude, I love the fact that you are so fun and everything. But you don't even know what that, that dude could have pissed in that beer. What? <laughs> Like, well, what are John, you doing? They do this thing where they pour it in uh, and they spit in I know, in they it. spit in uh. it. That's disgusting. Yeah. Hey, John, well, is there a rule around him, around him, like, drinking beer before the fight like that? Like, like let's just say the fan pours it in his mouth as he's walking out the tunnel. Uh, is there, like, a rule against that? As you walk out? Yeah, you see those yeah. inspectors and stuff like that? Yep. Yeah, they're going to stop that. You can't do that. No, Alcohol was not something they allow before the fight. Just water. You're only allowed to have water in the back. <laughs> water, yeah. Well, yeah Gatorade yeah, yeah, now Gatorade. and stuff, you know, or the, you know, the body armors or whatever is the sponsor for the UFC, whatever it's going to be. But, but it was a, a good win, really a good win. Uh what else? What other fights on here? Look, you know, the, Bruno Silva, great knockout over Jordan Wright. A lot of people, I, I saw people complaining about the stoppage with Herb. It's like, no, Jordan was trying to move and Herb was trying to give him an understandable, great win by Bruno. Andre Muniz, beautiful armbar victory against Anders. You know, love the way he said that. That dude's yeah. good, man. He broke, he broke Jacare's arm. And now he, he is just an armbar machine. He's just turning into something special. I can't wait to actually watch him again. But if I'm going to give credit anywhere, Aaron Blanchfield, in my opinion, had one of the best performances. Amazing. Her ability to use her ground game. Here's where, one where I'll go against the coach. The coach saying, you know, you know you're know, you grappling too much. It's like, what? She's killing her with the grappling. Are you, are you high? You know, we know that Miranda Maverick is a tough person. She's a good fighter. I didn't think she had lost against Macy Barber, but, you know, she that was her first loss. And then this one? She definitely lost. Aaron Blanchfield was all over her and going for submissions and going to do great work. Beautiful crucifix in there, landing elbows. Just, I thought it was a fantastic performance by her. I agree. I agree. Um, there was okay. the the first fight on the prelims was Jillian Robertson. Let's Priscilla. talk about the eye gouge. Let's talk about that eye gouge. That's a she's a That's dirt horrible bastard. man. What the fuck? Oh my god. Okay, so here's the question now. So let's say that that happened, right? She goes and she sticks her finger in Jillian Robertson's eye, and Jillian lets go of lets go of the hold, and now Priscilla's on top. What does the referee do? 
See, these are the things you have to think about beforehand so you know exactly where you're going to go. I, w- I would believe that they would stand them up, they would take a point, and they would put them back in the same position. That's all I could think of. Aha! That, you see, that's what I'm loving about you're you, my man, Josh Thompson. Yeah, there you go, because you got to think about these things and know exactly where you're going to go because, yes, you're going to stop it. You're going to take Jillian over. You're going to make sure that the doctor says she can go on. If she can't go on, what are you going to do? It's Yeah, DQ. DQ. She's done. Okay, you're going to DQ her. She gets the win. But if she can go on, you're going to take two points. Two because there was an intentional foul with injury. She poked her in the eye. That injured her eye. It's an automatic must be two points. And you will put them back in the same position. And you will put Jillian with her arms in a locked Mata Leon and let her choke the shit out of her. <laughs> oh, man. I just, I was... When I was watching that, I actually had the volume on, and Rogan's like, "She's literally just fucking jabbing her in the damn eye." I was, it was, yeah. it was so blatant too. And I'm thinking to myself, "This is horrible. This is it's, it, it was hard to watch." I was like, "This is this is horrible." Yeah, and, and a lot of people are going to look and say, "Why didn't ta- you know Chris do something?" The referee's Chris Tyone. He did. He doesn't want to interfere with Jillian. Because he knows she's in a fight-ending yeah. sequence. So he doesn't want to say stop. So he tries to, you know, he slaps the hand away, pulls the hand away from the eye and stuff. And then she goes back to it and he does it again and stuff. And you look and you go, he's in that situation where I want her to, I want her to be able to finish so there's no doubt. I don't want her to be able to do what she's doing, but I can't stop it because I don't want to take her out of this position. It's one of those, it's a tough one. It is a tough one, and eventually, if she's going back to it, you got to stop it, and you got to, you know, do what you're going to do, and and then put her right back in the same position, or end the fight with the DQ. So, All right, well, but I'm glad you got that, Josh. I am very impressed. I'm, you're I'm on your way. Paying attention, <laughs> finally paying attention. Uh, that kind of wraps up our coverage for last night's UFC event. And um, Dave, what else you got for us, buddy? You got some news for us? All right. We have time again to two fights that were announced uh, over the last few days. Uh, first one being Izzy versus Whitaker, number two. All right, so yeah, is it happening? Is the it fight not? that <laughs> according to Dana, okay. it's happening. But according according to Whitaker, it's happening. According to Israel, yeah, maybe not. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, you know, this is all. That's all. You know, agreed to and signed on the dotted line are two different things and so i'm sure that israel has a you know he's he's agreed to it yeah you know yeah that's but he hasn't agreed to everything that he wants within it and so it's that well i'm not fighting that i i I haven't signed and so that fight will happen you know it'll be on that date you watch i don't believe that you know the ufc does not put out they may sometimes put out information as things are agreed to but things aren't signed they know it will be but this is a a pretty simple one i think february 12th we'll be be watching izzy against yeah they'll make it work the ufc will figure out a way to get the money yes uh next yeah and the next fight is blahovich versus rakik okay yeah good fight good fight rakik is good he's tough you know blahovich is uh coming off of you know the, the loss to Glover, and that's a tough one, and we'll see how he reacts to it. But he ain't getting yeah. an easy opponent coming back. 
from a loss. That is a rough one. Yeah, where does that put, like, if Rocky beats him, that puts him right into that title talk. He's already there. What is he, number three oh, right yeah. now? Oh, yeah. I think Rockets three. Let's see, lay heavyweight. He's Rockets right three. at it. Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah. I think Yuri's probably next for the title. I know. Oh, I think Yuri's next for the title shot. You got sleep. I know. <laughs> um, but no, I would say Yuri's probably next for the title shot. Then you got Jan fighting Rocket, yeah. so that they don't figure out who's next after that. And you got Anthony Smith still. He's still there, man. Just lingering around in that number four spot. Hey, it's a yeah. good spot to be, actually. Yeah. The the real question for me is uh, yeah. Uncle Liev. He's tough. Who are they going to put him with? He's tough, man. He's he's real tough. Good stand up. That guy's tough. Should be good. Who? So you're, but Yuri and Glover. Ugh. That's a fight that I'm just like, oh, I love Glover, but I don't. I don't. That's a tough, tough fight for him. Ah, if he gets look. Glover's got to, to fight within his means, and, and he, he doesn't want to get into that uh, battle in the stand-up with Yuri. Yuri's too, you know, he's awkward for one, which makes it very difficult to deal with. He's super long. He's yeah. got, you know, he's got good power. He throws a lot of different techniques, but on the ground, Glover is way better than Yuri. Yeah. You know, not that Yuri's not good, but Clover is solid, man. I mean, he is that guy. He is a submission at 205. Not a whole lot of guys have that great ground game. Glover has it. He gets in the top position. He's a beast. So Yuri's got to be careful. Glover's got, you know, several ways to win. Yuri's got ways to win. But I think it's, you know, an interesting fight. It's, it's kind of the, you know, even though Glover just won the title, this is the old against the new, really, in a way. You know, Yuri, Yuri's got his strange training methods. He likes beating up on trees a lot. He's punching trees. I don't know what punching a tree does for you, but, you know, it's all good. Oh, <laughs> it's, you would think that I was punching a tree all weekend because my hand is super swollen. I don't know if you can see that. Look at that thing compared to this one. That's that's just oh, from you biting your nails. From I, nerve, I have no idea how I did it. I did it last night. I know how you did it. You went out with our producer, Norty, and you started beating him up again. (laughs) We had a great time. Oh, man. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, uh, Dave, you got anything else for us or no? Nope. Uh, Not worried. All right. Well, hey, go to to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Wayne in. Use that promo code and still. You guys, I love all the hashtags you guys are hitting us with. Make sure you guys use that hashtag and still when you guys are on Twitter, Instagram, so we can go ahead and repost. We appreciate that. But, yeah, you guys can pick up one of our shirts here at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Wayne and use that promo code and still. And now you get a little uh, 20%. I think it's 20% off, right, Dave? All right. Yep. Are you yawning, Dave? <laughs> no, I was just in a deep voice. <laughs> oh, yeah, I got you. All right, guys. Well, hey, that pretty much wraps up this uh, show and our recap. And, uh, John, what you got? Last thing I forgot. I didn't say it. Nonito Donaire, beautiful fourth-round knockout with a body shot. We didn't talk about that, but it really, other than that, wasn't much to talk about. Nonito Donaire coming back as the Filipino Flash, the guy who was champion, lost it, has come back at an older age and is just putting on great performances. Congratulations, Nonito. Sorry we didn't talk about it more. But other than that, for everyone out there, thanks for listening, and we will see you.